Disclaimer. AFL players, coaches, and umpires are professionals. The hilarious remarks and nicknames said in this podcast are not intended to be offensive in any way. Listener discretion is advised. <laughs> Kiss your cousin. Kiss your cousin. Kiss him on the lips. Ahoy mateys, this is the Cousins AFL Fantasy Podcast. I'm Keebs, coach of the Super Subs. I'm here with my cousin, Jados. Coach of NFNL, KFKL, no fife, no life, no fife, no life. And it's time, it's footy fantasy finals. You're chuffed about it, aren't you, mate? I'm so chuffed. I've got the finals fever. I'm unchuffed and I have no finals fever. (laughs) I missed out. I missed out on finals. You're gonna have to sit on the sidelines. I'm I'm playing in the the bottom eight finals. It's not really finals. I don't even know why they do it. To be honest, what do they even call it? Like the I think well the traders call it the Tidhead Cup. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't I don't want to play for a consolation prize. You first or you last, mate. That's that's all. That so you last. Yeah. <sighs> yep. Flat. I wish you I wish you were in finals. Every single year we play each other in the grand final. And it's exciting. And it would have been exciting podcast content, but you couldn't make it. I couldn't. And you know what's even more upsetting is I'm second in our league in overall rank by one point to you. Yeah, (laughs) don't you forget it. That one point means a lot. But somehow I'm 10 and 10 in head-to-head matches. I just, I don't... I don't don't understand how it works either. Like I had a super close matchup this week. I won by nine points and that got me through to I think eighth position in our... In our league. So it's been competitive, but I don't know how the two of us, highest ranked overall in our league, became like eighth and ninth or whatever it is. Uh, Tenth. I finished tenth. Oh, you finished tenth. Tenth with a ten and ten record. Jeez. What a stitch up. Tidhead for sure. Yeah, it feels like it. (laughs) Anyway, to get get going this week, I've got some more trivia for us. I enjoyed doing it last week. Okay. I've got more for you today, cousin. Hit me with it. Where was the birthplace... Of Callum Mills. That's how am I supposed to know this? You, you got to know these things. I don't know, mate. From the deep, dark recesses of hell itself, from <laughs> Satan's womb, that's where he was born, and he crawled from the center of the earth to torment us fantasy coaches. Bit what a, a tidhead! Bit of a spud. <laughs> bit <laughs> of a spud. spud. No, no. I d- <laughs> oh, we'll get into some more Callum Mills chat later for sure. I'm angry. I've got a gripe with the fellow, but. I do have real trivia for you, oh, okay. and it's this. <laughs> <laughs> Who scored the highest score in the 2021 AFL fantasy season? In the season, the whole season, two years ago. Who scored the highest score, and what was the score, if you know? Oh, I'm going to say... Oh, this is a tough one. This is just bad podcast content now. You've just gone silent. I have gone silent. <laughs> I, I'm trying to think, mate. It's it's too hard of a question. There's it's so only many, two years ago. Yeah, but there's so many players. All right, players. you had this player in your team for this score. Was it Zeebs, 170? Sure hey. was, mate. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> winner, winner. There we yeah, go. Yeah, Jack Zeebel for a 170 on debut for the Cousins. And just, well, he announced his retirement this week, so I thought it'd be a fitting, fitting time to include him in our trivia. And just... What a guy, mate. Two 170s in our team. Yeah, what a stud. Zeebs is actually... <laughs> it's funny because I really was not a fan of the guy in, in years gone by, but when he became a fantasy defender and we all brought him into our teams, my, my love, the love 
it, it grew, it became, it, it fested and just <laughs> became something beautiful, mate. And now I'm actually sad to see him go. I know, I'm yeah. Flat. Yeah. For, for both of us, he became one of our least favorite players to one of our favorite players. Just one just of our boys. Just a dead set ledge. Yeah. Um, fastest, fastest AFL fantasy ton of all time this year. That's, he, he'll probably hold that record for a long time too. That was, it was quick. Very, very quick. So, Shout out to Jack Zebel. Yeah, shout out, shout out to Zebes, the yeah. king. Yeah, we I named had an to... episode after him this year. Yeah, exactly. As tribute, <laughs> King Zebes. Anyway, so let's move on to our score, rank, and trades for this week. Why don't you kick us off? This week I scored twenty four eighty four, and I'm currently ranked six thousand eight hundred forty, which is seven spots behind you. <laughs> it's funny as well because I went through our uniques, and I think we've got seven uniques, and we've we're still that close over the course of the year, which is pretty pretty remarkable, mate. Yeah, we've been we've been just right next to each other in overall rank basically since the buys. Even with all those uniques, it's so strange, but it's just this sort of year it is. Everyone's just weird. scoring the same every week. <laughs> Everyone's teams are just fantastic. Yeah. Um. In terms of trades as well, I went Keys and Ashcroft to Flanders and Steel this week. Solid. Okay, so you got some you got some nice inclusions this week, guys, for the run home. Immediate bang for buck. Flanders popped, which was good. Yeah. Continued his form. And yep. Steel is just, we know what Steel is, just an uber primo beast. So yep. it was nice to get a rookie up to him and then jump off Keys, who was bad this week as well. Yeah, great. So for me this week, I scored a 24-59. So you, you pipped me by what? 25. 25, yep. And my rank is 6,833rd. <laughs> yeah, so I'm just ahead of you. And my trades were Keys and Will Day, as much as it hurts to say, to Flanders and Dunkley. So it's it's mixed feelings about the trades this week. I um, The two guys I brought in were awesome. Flanders, obviously, like you, tunned up. And I brought in Dunkley, who was fantastic. Um, but yeah, Will Day, man, kicked two goals and just was everywhere. And it was painful because he was unique against me in my matchup and I thought I wasn't going to make finals off the back of it. And I was I was in a deep, dark place on Sunday afternoon. But, you know, it's all right. Dunkley outscored him. So I just got to remain positive and hope Will Day scores a 70 next week. And you still got the chockies, mate. That's all I got the chockies. I'm there. I'm in finals and I'm, I'm there to win it. Flying the flag for the cousins. Please do. Yeah. I'm, now I'm, it's still my mission to pip you in overall. But. Yeah. Well, we'll see. <laughs> it's one of it's one of my predictions that I'm going to finish on top. So I'm gonna gonna work hard to uh, make sure that that happens. You Don't leave. you think it was a weird week, cuz that like the two of us scored 2,400 plus, almost 2,500 for you. you Move down in rank. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Shit is getting crazy, man. I had uh, throughout my entire team, I had like three bad scores, and the rest were just. Good. Like it's almost 25 is massive to drop in rank off the back of that is a bit flattening. And that we, we touched on it a few weeks ago, but it also speaks to the point that the game is just becoming a bit too easy. I think, I mean, we are at the end of the season and, and teams are basically finished as they would be generally, but stuff like this has been happening for weeks and weeks now. So hopefully next year it's the game is a bit more challenging and it'll then, be, it'll be different. Like every season is different. I, <laughs> I think there are a lot of factors and we've, we've had this discussion a couple of weeks ago, but yeah, I think there's a, the stars all aligned this year for it just to be a weird year where we all finished our team super early. Yeah, Rookies sure. that popped when we needed them. Um, we basically started with completed forward lines, just crazy value options popped up out of nowhere. So it all, it all just happened. And now we all have completed teams with the odd, Tidhead. Yeah, I couldn't, but that's all right. I couldn't. I couldn't think of another season where the top five most 
popular forwards were all like the top five averaging forwards at the end of the year. It's just, it's been a weird year. Yeah. All right. So speaking of big scores, let's get into our hogs and flogs for this week. And we're going to start with our hogs. I've got two this week for my hogs. Cuz, um, I'll do what we did last week and I'll say the first one, throw it to you and then say the second <laughs> one. Just so it I'm ready this time. But I've got to give it to my boy Brad Crouch for his 133. 32 disposals and three snags on a Sunday afternoon is just prime time, beautiful, beautiful stuff. Brad has been just fantastic for me all year. I've, I've got such a soft spot for the man now. Um, yeah, there's not much else to say. Just I, I love the man. And this was just a terrific score. Terrific score. Yeah, there is no more like hot and cold lovable but frustrating player in the whole game than Brad Crouch. I remember I got him the first season he moved to the Saints and I remember the week I got him, he scored a 118 and I was like, yes, this man is so cheeky. He loves a tackle, like loves a little bit of junk, but like plays like ridiculously low tog or that year he did. He was playing like 60% most weeks and I was like, well, just let him play the game out and he'll just have the longest bench stints and then so some weeks he'd drop like a 60 and a 70 but then come back with like a 130. And I was pulling my hair out and just hating it. But at the end of the day, you just got to love him. He's so fun to own. And yeah, three snags and a 130 is just lovely stuff. Yeah, almost a career best game for, yeah. for Brad. So it, he's been such a great own for me this year. I got him off his buy and he's just yep. been solid every week. And yep. the, the nice ceiling score was was well-deserved for the subs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right, my hog for this week, I'm going to show a little bit of love to Christian Petraka for his 118. Now, the man is a top three player in the comp at the moment, I reckon. And he's just, this week, he's going for his 10th ton on the trot. That's impressive. That's 10. Um, he was back to full-time mids this week. I know we saw him play forward for about three weeks in a row with Fritch out of the team. And he had 27 CBAs. But even though he was full-time mid, he had four scoring shots. And even a couple I saw him pass off as well. So... To be a full-time mid and still hit the scoreboard, it just you know it shows the sort of player that Christian Petraka is, shows the sort of form that he's in, and I have to show some love. Yeah, Track's having a fantastic year. I saw a couple of posts on Twitter saying that if Clary Clayton Oliver wasn't a Demons player, Petraka would probably be a Brownlow medalist, and it's true. He's just such a stud. So true. Yeah, I mean, what the last couple of years in a row in the Brownlow count, they've both been like top five, mm. top three. Yeah, maybe, just, yeah. Mm, yeah, absolutely massive. They're probably yeah. the best one-two punch in terms of midfielders in the comp. Easily, yeah. All right, my second flog this week. Hog? Hog, yeah, hog, sorry, hog. <laughs> Get it right. Is the Wang Mill, Naziah Wang and Ian Miller. I love this man so much. He is just an absolute jet. He racks up so much outside ball. He got a 125 this week. That game was the bloodbath game of this year. The Saints <laughs> just went absolutely bonkers. And the Wang Mill cashed in big time, so... Shout out to the to the hog, the wang, the hog. Just, yeah. I, I've got a smile on my face seeing how happy it made you <laughs> just to talk about him. Just said, I so badly wish I owned him. I was very close to grabbing him as well a week after you. And I was like, nah, I want to be like, part of it was I just didn't want to have the same player as you. I sort of wanted more unique. So I was like, you know what? I think Will Day is going to be good and stupid Will Day. Anyway, well... Picking him was a risk. Like there, yeah, there, there was only a, f- I mean. a few weeks of data to indicate that he could he could possibly be you know a top ten defender, let alone top six. But we posted on our on our cousin's Instagram page a few stats about him, and he's actually averaging a hundred and I think it's one hundred eight point six in his last five, which is above like Doc Ryan Stewart, all these top six guys. So he's he's turned into like a, a legit top six 
player. Mate, it's so impressive considering he's in his second year yeah. and the stars have just aligned for him to be just a fantasy jet, like full primo next year as well. I, I'm, a, I'm a good chance to maybe start with him. Yeah. Because yeah. if you consider the fact that Sinclair is in the team, he's always going to get tagged ahead of Wang. Yeah. Yeah, he's just a, such a stud. I love him so much. He, he wants the pill in his hands. He takes more kick-ins than Sinclair as well mm. already. So it's like, I think he's going to be the one that actually... He's, he might overtake Sinclair as the fantasy guy. Yeah, it would not next year. surprise gonna, me yeah. at all if he averaged 100 plus next year. Yeah, he's like, a beautiful man. He's got the chops. He's just, he is. He's a beautiful man, like yep. you said. Do you have more hogs? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I just, okay. just, just the two this week, mate. All right, well, let's move on to our flogs then. Boom. All right. This week, I've also got two flogs. Um, I'll start with the first one. Timmy T, Tim Taranto, 77, mate. What are you doing? He was on our cousin's top five captain list this week. He came in at number five and he well and truly let the entire competition down. This is now a prolonged period of just average average to poor form since Hopper's come come back into the team and it's just frustrating. It's like against Melbourne, a must-win game for the Tigers. All you can manage is what? What, what do you have, 24 touches? And like, it just was bad. It was just bad all around. So Timmy T, you deserve this flog, mate. You deserve a bit more than that, to be honest. Just a dead set bake. You were the highest averaging player in the comp, man. He's just dropping 80s and 90s and 70s. So gross, 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 gross. Yeah, I can't explain it. I feel like, is he carrying some sort of injury? I think it's just Hopper coming back. I don't don't know if I can believe it. So the start of the year, obviously, Hopper was in the team. Taranto was on the ton run. It's like he wasn't dropping 70s with Hopper in the it's team. It's true, it's true. He wasn't even dropping... He was he was turning up every single week. And before this, his average with Hopper in the team was still 110 plus. Like it was a slight dip, maybe well, even 15 plus points. But he wasn't this bad, which is what's leading me to believe that something's up or game style's changed, coaches trying to do something different. Obviously, Richmond aren't absolutely dominating. So I, I, it's not like out of this world to believe that maybe... They're just trying some different things, you know, sharing the sharing the load. He's been he's had a lot to do this year for them. He's been their main guy in the midfield, so maybe he's just sort of the season's sort of wearing him down at this point. Yeah, I maybe. wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. Yeah, it's interesting though because he was averaging one hundred and twenty four point seven, but in the last five games that number has dropped all the way down to one seventeen point two. So he's taken seven point five points off his average in a five week stretch it's just bad form from timmy t so he's averaging less than 100 since the buyers as well yeah it's not good it's pre- it's pretty bad but uh, would but you trade him out like, i guess we absolutely. can talk about this now absolutely you would? i i actually flagged it a few weeks ago <laughs> mate you flagged it in the week where it would have been beautiful to trade him out he was like almost 1.1 mil yeah yeah well over a mil um that would have been a nice move and he's averaged 96 since then wow. so you would have cashed in and there's there's a stack of other forwards averaging more. Um, I still think you could do it. Like he's coming off a 77. That's crap. And there's nothing there to say, yeah, this form's going to bounce back. I yep. just, I, yeah, if you're keen to move him on, there's no reason you can't. Yeah. All right. It's, it's, it's funny to say, I mean, I guess it's not really a cat. I mean, it still is a cash grab depending on who you go to, but it's yeah. more of a just get the best players, which he's not right now. Yeah. As, as funny as it is to say. Yeah. <laughs> All right, my flog this week. You're gonna have to strap yourself in, cousin. I'm strapped. This one, this one's a monologue. You're gonna have to bear with All me. Right. But this I'll, is directed at Callum Mills. I'll get my pillows ready and go for a sleep. <laughs> Callum Mills, mate. He's averaging 57.5 in my team this year. 57.5. 
Goodness me. He's a pathetic excuse for a footballer. I can't believe he ran out there on his 150th and contributed absolutely nothing to the team. I can't believe he can even live with himself. He's a fake leader. He just stands there just pointing all over the place. He doesn't want the ball in his hands. I never should have touched him again this year after the three. Like that was that was scarring enough, like therapy inducing um, season ruining. But yeah, like never has a player ruined my season this badly. I bet he sleeps with the lights on, cuz. Absolutely. There's no way. There's He's no the way. kind of guy that smells his own farts, I reckon. I reckon. I reckon yeah. he bottles them and then just sniffs them yeah. at night time. <laughs> yeah. Just a bit yeah. of a just a bit of a dirty freak. He's the kind of guy that will send you like a thank you card for coming to his birthday party. Or he's the kind of guy that will, you know, cover your eyes from behind and say, guess who? It's just, just, I don't like him, man. Just cheeky, but in the worst kind of way. Yeah, like, just, just get away from me. I don't want to be your friend. I don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't get, yeah. Trading him out of my team this week gave me like a, a real genuine sense of relief and joy. Like there was, there was a bit of pain in my chest every time I saw his stupid face it's understandable weirdly curly spiky hair just get out mate never come back it's it's interesting because it's hard to even flag him as a starting option for next year because sydney have even more mids coming through now so like i don't i don't know if he's going to go back in there and, and properly be a mid if he's going to go back to half back or what but you know warner goulden sheldrick they've still got luke parker like where's where's he going to play just, I can't understand it, man. It was like a guy at like the peak of his powers. We might have already was, seen the best of him. I reckon we have. But like, man, I remember the season where he moved into the midfield and he was a defender and he averaged 110. He just would not play a bad game ever. He was like the most consistent guy in the game. And then he and backed the, the up only, again. The only flag against him was he didn't have a ceiling. And then he showed it the next yeah, season. Yeah, and then the <laughs> next season, he had the like, the biggest ceiling in the game almost. He dropped like 160 and a couple of 150s maybe. Yeah. But also had a floor because they kept randomly moving him to full back. And now it's like, dude, he's done, he has no consistency and he has no ceiling. He's only cracked 110 once this year. Yeah, I, I can't understand it, but yeah. The, pretty like, incredible. The, man, I don't think I can consider him for next year. You're right. Like he's... I can't see him getting enough CBAs and like, he just doesn't want the ball. He doesn't want the pill. Mm. Yeah, I agree, man. I feel for him, mate. And he's gone and maybe to never return. Yeah. All right. Well, I've got one more flog that I wanted to touch on and it's George Hewitt for his 66. I actually looped him because I had a feeling that he might just drop a stinker. Um, So I didn't take his score, but the fact that I traded him in two weeks ago, he played well for one and has now dropped a 66. It's like, how how did he average 98 last year? Like, how, how has he just gone back to being the average player that he was at Sydney? I don't understand. He's just not good. It's really weird. <laughs> yeah. I thought he was going to, you know, a 90, be a 90 plus mid at least and just get to somewhat of the form that he was sustaining last yeah. year. But this year, it's just, just a different player altogether. So, George Hewitt for your 66. You're on my bench now. Yeah. It's a weird player to have on your fantasy bench. Yeah, it's, I was going to say, like, good thing he's cheap and he's on your bench because I can't believe George Hewitt is in your team. Like, if it yeah. wasn't for last season, you'd be like, what is this guy even doing anywhere near my team? It's the weirdest name in fantasy. <laughs> it is, mate. It is. But I'll tell you what, he did his job for me because he was my, my cover for Laird in the week that Laird missed. For one week. Laird came back, went to my bench. But it's just, it's still frustrating because I want him to go up in price so I can offload him, make some money. But 66, it's like... Come on. Another 90 would have been nice. I probably would have taken that score of a Windhager who I eventually did field, but oh well. Oh well, indeed. 
Just a little feel, clip for George. Yeah, a little clip. I feel I feel much better after blowing off that steam and letting letting rip into Callum Mills. Um, but we've got a bit more steam to blow off with a hot bake, so we're going to move right onto it. Hot bakes. Okay, hot bakes for this week, and I've got an interesting one. I've got a cousin's one, and it's directed at you, mate. I didn't know if you were going to tell this story or not, but I have to. You were a busy man at the end of last week, and clearly you did not check your team properly, <laughs> and you rolled with a straight C on Nick Dacos for Friday Night Footy. <laughs> what have you got to say oh, for yourself? It was an absolute blunder, mate. I'm, I'm embarrassed just to start with, like, and I'm, and I'm mad at myself for it happening. <laughs> it sucks when you have a podcast and you're trying to make content and give advice to people, and then you just make a silly mistake with your own team. But yeah, I straight up captained Dacos on Friday night last week. Luckily, he saved his score to get to a 97. To be fair, I had a job interview across the other side yeah. of the country and my flight was like, it was hectic because they put me on an international flight. Um, like I was supposed to have time at the airport and I was going to sort out my team then. But they, they had a flight that was going from Melbourne to London that had like <laughs> a stop in Perth to refuel. So it meant that I had to go through international customs, but it was it was all weird because I didn't have my passport with me because in my mind, I was obviously only going domestic. So it was this whole thing. It took ages for me to get through the airport. I didn't have time to check my team before jumping on the plane. And then when, I, when we landed, oh yeah, there was no Wi-Fi on my flight. So I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't sort it out. And then when we landed, it was like lockout was like one minute away. <laughs> it was like, it was literally like five... It was about 5.48 Perth time or something like that. It was honest. Yeah, yeah. It was like just before the game started. And then I looked and I was like, what the hell? The C's on Dacos? I thought I'd sorted it out. But obviously, the mad scramble that was last week just got the better of me. So, yeah, it's it's the re- it's the reason of all reasons. Like, it's, fa- it's fair enough that fantasy was on the back foot this week. But it's fair, but I'm disappointed with myself. It's just funny because earlier in the year, there was a couple of... of popular well-known coaches that did similar things on twitter and i remember you baking them and being like i don't know how you can do things like that man and be a fantasy expert so so there you go mate. to be fair i still can't explain why it was on him like i, I swear I, I thought it was on dawson so i must have misclicked i don't know how this you can do things thing. like that and be I a fantasy neither. expert <laughs> anyway yeah it's a deserving bake it's and a, um it's a funny it's a light-hearted bake you still scored well but there you go <laughs> Oh, the captains continue to haunt me and we'll talk about that later. But it's time for my bake. And guess what, Keeps? I've also got a cousin's bake for this week. I'm giving it to you for doing all your extensive captaincy research and coming up with a fantastic, I might add, fantastic top five that you recommend to all our listeners. You have all the time in the world to research it and think about it. And yet you chuck the VC on Himmelberg. What's going on, mate? Look, let me explain. I... Listeners of last week's pod will know that I was high on Himmelberg for this week. I did predict him to go 120 plus, which was also just a huge flop. So why wasn't he in your top five? We'll touch on that later. If you really believed it, you have to recommend it to other people. But part of the the Cousins top five captains is like safe guys who you want to just whack the sound and go, yeah, I know for a fact this guy is going to go well. And Himmelberg- Which is why he should be your VC. (laughs) But Himmelberg was always going to be a lottery. I wanted to take it- uh, a swing at a at a monster score. I thought with all the points the dogs were giving up, he could go big. So I was like VC Himmelberg. I was I felt extremely confident rolling my C into LDU, which I did for a one twenty. 
So I'm all right with that, taking a, a low percentage, high risk play with my VC in the week before finals just to see if I could do something special to scrape in. That's all right. I, I don't I don't accept your bake because I stand <laughs> by what I did. Well, you're it, lucky. It, you're lucky. Your captain came through, and I might add, LDU only got himself to a really good score very, very late with like five minutes to go. But, but he did get himself to a he good did, score. He did. But this would have been a legitimate, very hot, hot bake for you if your captain didn't come through. I, I just, would. I, I don't get like. If you're not going to recommend it to others, you shouldn't do it yourself. That's my new rule I with it, the podcast and with my own team. I called it on the pod though. I would accept the bake if it was a late change, but I was keen on it all week. I said it on the pod last week and I just, I continued to roll with it and I took a risk. You're allowed to take risks in fantasy, it, what, you, but you're not allowed to take risks if they're last minute, silly, just like on a whim risks, but it wasn't that. It was a calculated, <laughs> calculated. risk and it didn't pay off. My captain still hit. So your bake is rejected. <laughs> it's denied. It is denied, mate. <laughs> the claims board have, have assessed it and denied it. Exactly. Um, all right. I'm just going to change the tone a little bit, make it a bit positive. I've got a hot praise a hot as well. Praise. It's been I've a while got, since yeah. we've had one. Yeah, yeah. But we, I think I think we need one. We've been going hard for like 25 15. minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've got a bit of hot praise for Adam Kingsley for being the first coach yes. to finally crack the code the Da Vinci Code and clamp Marcus Bontempelli, yep. who was Props. on 43 at quarter time, and Kingsley decided to send Callan Ward to him, and Bont limped to 86 at full time. Very good hot praise. Very good hot praise. It needs to be said because I just I can't like I said it last week. It was my bake last week. I can't understand why other coaches haven't been doing it all season. It should have been done all year. Not to just Bont, Dacos, and all these other guys. There's so many players that should have been clamped all throughout the year. And All the, throughout the year. And the, the great thing is it actually worked. It sparked a GWS resurgence. They, they came won. back from 35 points down the, against the Dogs. Just quietly, the, the Giants' biggest comeback in their history as well. And they won Adam the Kingsley, genius. He actually Absolute is a fantastic genius. coach. He is, the, he is the Einstein, the Oppenheimer of our generation. Just... He's, he's taking the Giants to the promised land, mate. It's actually happening. I actually hope so. I'm we getting knew, the scarf, mate. We I'm knew that we knew that Leon wasn't the man, and they've immediately replaced him with just a, a far superior coach. And look where they are, <laughs> flying. Absolutely fantasy flying. coaches, just quickly, fantasy coaches see it every time. Like Leon Cameron, flog, bad coach. Get him out, <laughs> and he sucks. <laughs> and it's the same, like um, Stewie Jew. Same yeah, thing. We knew. We all knew. We all knew. Sons, much better. Much, much better for Gold Coast. I said it last week. I'll say it again. Every AFL team needs a good fantasy coach on their like board of directors or in their coaching (laughs) staff just to oversee choices. Get Selby on there. Yeah. Mate, like listeners, if you don't follow Selby on Twitter, do it. Absolutely do it because he just like absolutely rips into all the journalists, into the coaches. (laughs) It's so fantastic because his analysis is really good. Like he's got an excellent AFL brain. Um, and just, yeah, I think fantasy coaches just see the world differently. It's know? awesome that Selby has become like a, a, I wouldn't say like a media personality because he, he's not so much, but he's like- People listen to him. Yeah, people listen yeah. to him. The words that he that he says actually carry weight. Yeah. And it's just cool that he's become that through fantasy. Yeah. It brings hope to all, all fantasy coaches. He's That'll kind of us. like, he's the voice of the people, mate. That'll be us one day. It will be. Just you wait. All right, we're going to move on. That was our hot bakes, and we're moving on to the good, the bad, and the ugly. 
All right, I'll kick us off with the GBU this week. And I want to give my good to a guy I touched on just before when you tried to bake me unsuccessfully. It's LDU, my captain for his 120. He is in ripping form. He saved it. I think he scored 25 points in the last five minutes of the game um, just to, to save his score, to almost get north over the line. And yeah, 120 is just a solid a solid captaincy score. He was number two on our cousin's top five captains this week. So he did us proud. He did all his owners proud this week. He's so good to watch. I watched it live in person. Second coming of Chris Judd. He's, he's just he's a dynamic... A- Fast, powerful. I love, I love those spins that he does. Like just, they're so yeah. quick. Like you don't expect a player to be able to spin in those moments. You don't. I was like, whoa! He's, he's done a full three sixty yeah. in the time that a player would usually just do one step. You know, it's like, just yeah, he's lightning. Quick. Yeah, he's got he's got a quick step, and I'm I I want to apologize to him for all the horrible things I said last <laughs> week. <laughs> they were unjustified. He loves the fourth quarter. He I loves. Think he's one. had forty plus point fourth quarters for like three weeks in a row. Yeah, so, some people will scoff at the Chris Judd comparison, but it is legitimate. Like he, the the power and speed that he brings to a game, he like bursts through packs. He's so dynamic. He really is. He he's the closest yeah. player to Judd that I've seen for a yeah. long time. And we and that's that we don't say that lightly because we are big Chris yeah. Judd fans. We're both West Coast fans. We're, he's both of our favorite players. I reckon. Yeah, Judd of all time. Yeah, he he yeah. was. Yeah, just an absolute stud. All right, for my good for this week. Now there were seven players that scored one twenty plus in the Dogs versus GWS game. And all are deserving nominees, but none more so than Tim English for his 153. 25 and 2 for a Ruckman with eight marks. That's just a wild stat line. Against a restrictive Briggs, yeah. nonetheless. Yeah, who scored 130 himself? He did. <laughs> <laughs> um, Gorn and Marshall have been right on Tim's toes for the top Ruck mantle, but I reckon Tim reminded us exactly why he's the number one big man. Um, leading into Ruck round. As well. <laughs> so it, it, it really was a timely reminder because I was getting itchy on not having Max in my team and was a little bit concerned. So yeah, this is exactly what we needed from fifth, Tim. Fifth score of 140 plus for the season. It's impressive stuff. Very impressive. I think it's safe to say now as well that he's been to this point, the fantasy player of the year, just all around phenomenal from Tim. Yeah. Hats off. Cool. All right. I'll get into my bad, and it's Zach Butters for his 83 this week. This just continues Butters' average form. I said it last week that I, I didn't really think he was a top six forward anymore, and he j- just justified that this week. 83, it's not enough. Port have a bit of a, a bit of a tough run coming up as well, and it's sort of hard to see how he gets back into that mix. We're going to flag it later, but he could be like a, a slight tag target in the coming weeks as well. I just... I think that the top six ship has, has come and gone and an 83 is not really enough in a round where a lot of the other forwards were dropping 130s, 140s. Yep, the forward line was big this week. I agree with you. All right, my bad for this week is Himmelberg for a 62. I'm yep. going back-to-back with players from this game get in him. Ballarat. Absolutely get him. I'm, I'm on board. <clears throat> Borderline ugly score for the Berg, honestly, and a shit effort when you consider the fact that the Dogs are the easiest team for defenders at the moment. And Keebs predicted him to go 120 plus. <laughs> dog shit, mate. Yeah. And it's not it's not like the dogs the dogs didn't let uh, GWS's defenders go well as well. Because Witt dropped a 134 and Lockie Ash scored a 97, which is above his average. Significantly, yeah. So I don't know what Himmelberg was doing. Just nothing, apparently. i got to say this because it was on my mind. I did watch m- most of the Dogs and Giants game. And the amount of broken tackles, like the amount of like one-arm tackle attempts that he makes and just doesn't 
doesn't properly try, just throws an arm out there to look like he's making an effort. It's crap. He, he could have had at least 10 tackles, but he just gets slipped through. His lateral movement is so slow. It's really slow. And it generally yeah. looks like he does not try sometimes. Yeah. Like, it just pisses me off, like, watching people blow by him. Like, what are you doing, mate? Players like that so frustrating, man. Yeah, there's nothing worse than watching a player and just knowing that they're not giving 100% effort. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It, lateral movement effort, like, just be better, man. Intercept more. I don't know. Do, do something. <laughs> do something, man. It actually pisses me off. I couldn't... It happened like three times in the space of one minute where someone was running at him and he just sidestepped so slowly, got an arm to him and they broke they broke through the table. Yeah. It's like, just be better, man. Yeah. Just be better. It's Crap weird. effort from him. It's weird because the week before, I kid you not, he, he stuck a couple of fantastic tackles. He like looked really fantastic. Good yeah, week. like wrap him up, stick the tackle, bring him to ground, but gently, of course. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Himmelberg, I don't know what's going on, mate, but 62 is just not enough. A whole bunch of disappointment. That's what's going on. Yeah. Cool. All right. I'll get into my ugly and it's Lockie Neal for his 60 and I've got written next to it. WTF mate. Cause that's what the game was. It was just a crap game from Lockie. He got clamped up by Took, just shut down. He couldn't get anything going for the entire game and he got clamped so hard and Brisbane lost that it leads me to believe that he's going to get tagged into the ground is every week now for the rest of the year. Cause Brisbane lose when Lockie plays badly. It's just a fact. It, I think they're like four and 10 in games where Neil gets tagged in the last two years. It's like, why wouldn't you tag him every week? He's going to get tagged every week. Now he was so bad. He was slamming Took to the ground, getting frustrated. Like, cause he doesn't do anything the other way when he gets tagged. He just tries to get off the chain, but he doesn't do defensive stuff. He doesn't like block for other people or so Lockie Neil, mate, ugly, ugly, ugly stuff. And it's going to get worse. I would say for the rest of the year. So jump off people. Jump yeah. Off. And it just reinforces like all the all the footy analysts that are like, I don't get why coaches haven't been tagging early this season or aren't tagging. Because, you know, I mean, Took is a star of the competition and just absolutely demolished him both ways. Like clamped him up around the stoppages and, and then and when, got off the chain himself. Yeah, and then when the Suns had the ball, like just burnt him. Like Lockie just could had no hope of keeping up with Took. And not many players would, to be fair. But like if you can send a player as average as like Finn McGuinness to like take out someone as good as like Josh Kelly, for example, yeah. which happened like three weeks ago, yeah. why wouldn't you do that as a coach? Exactly. It's like, mate, what, what else does Finn McGuinness provide for the team? I, I guarantee you he provides more shutting down Josh Kelly, you know? Or Callum Absolutely. Ward. Callum Ward is washed. I'm sorry, Jimmy, who I know he's your favorite player, <laughs> but Callum Ward, he brought so much to the team by taking Bont out of that game. It's like, why Why wouldn't you do that more often? Anyway, it's... Yeah, to, to the point of McGuinness tagging Kelly, it's like McGuinness is what your 21st worst player in your, in your 22, 23, squad of 23. Yeah. You know, he's one of your three worst players in that team. If you can use him to shut down one of the Giants' best three players, that's a massive swing. Yeah. Why does it take until round like 18, 19, 20 for teams to start throwing legit tags? Yeah. It does not make sense. You shouldn't need <clears throat> five months of a season to realize that you need to tag someone who's been dominating the competition for years. Yeah. <laughs> tag earlier. I don't yeah. understand it, yeah. man. It's it's frustrating <clears throat> because at the at the start of the year we try and predict these tags and it feeds into like your captaincy decisions and your trade and decisions. And who you bring in. And it doesn't happen until the end of the year. When we all own these guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's like I haven't owned Bont all year. Now I'm grabbing him and he's probably going to get tagged more. Yeah. We all own Neil now. And yeah. the tags are going to keep coming. So it's frustrating that teams don't tag earlier, but yeah. when they do it, they see success. Yep, it's true. Anyway, all right, my ugly for this week, and I've gone for a three-peat on players in this Ballarat game at Mars, 
And I couldn't help but wrap it up with the king of Ballarat himself, Caleb Daniel, who scored a 39. That is putrid for a guy that we flagged as a top six smoky as a forward or a defender a month ago. We did. And the hilarious thing is that the small potato actually got his nickname from his last game at Ballarat when he scored a 20 <laughs> and got suspended. The king of Ballarat. Yeah, the king of Ballarat. He loves king it. of Mars, the astronaut, rocket man. That's what we should call him. Imagine having a two-game average under 30. Yeah, 29.5. That's what he averages. <laughs> Can you believe that? A primo that has a venue average of 29.5. Just take the week off. You would have been better off getting an E-score from Chincotta or also <laughs> <laughs> like any of the playing defend like close to basement defenders this week. Oh, that's that's actually painful, mate. Like yeah, well, I've got a mate that owns him. It's just like, what what, what do you even oh, say to that? Just, I don't know. Just, yeah, coach killing. Anyway, that wraps up our good and bad and ugly for this week. We're knights of the round table. We dance where we're able. We do routines and all the scenes with footwork impeccable. We dine well here in Camelot. We eat ham and jam and spam a Okay, you've heard the sting. That means it's K-O-T-R-T time, Knights of the Round Table. And I've got one point, and then I'll throw it over to you, cuz. It's that the fixture doesn't really allow from, for any obvious player rests from this point to the end of the year. We did like a quick analysis um, just looking at, you know, who could get rested for games, who might be sub-risks. But there's not really many because West Coast and North, the two teams that players would get rested against, don't really have any teams that are safe, like, you know, Essendon play both of them, but they're still fighting for finals um, and they need percentage. So, yeah, looking through the fixture, there's not really any obvious rest targets um, throughout the rest of the year, which is, I guess, good news for fantasy coaches. It means that you don't really have to stress too much about the players that you've got in your team. Um, Even Geelong, who are a team renowned for resting, are still fighting for finals. So they're not going to be too keen to rest anyone. Yeah, we see it happen quite a lot, or we have seen it happen quite a lot in previous years with, yeah, players getting rested in well, usually round 23, but round 24 this year. Um, but yeah, it's. I think it's lucky for us. I mean, I'm sure inevitably there might be a couple or there will still be carnage, but less ones that we're able to predict from here. You yeah, know what less, I mean? like you less look at just fixture, general rests. Yeah, it's just aligned pretty well for us. Like the top, top eight teams are sort of needing to, like they have must-win matchups. And also now nowadays... We have the, the week, week off. the week off before finals, so you wouldn't want your star players to miss two in a row anyway before, you know, before yeah. finals, before the real stuff begins. Exactly. So, some I guess some good news for fantasy coaches in that in that regard that you, sh- you don't have to worry too much about your players missing games. Yep. In the coming weeks. Yep. All right. I had a I had a discussion point that I wanted to bring up, and it's just kind of strategy for finals and just sort of the end of the season, like the post buy period. And I feel like I, I've learned a little bit from this time round, and I've just been frustrated about the fact that I've been still bringing in these cheap options and they've sort of hindered my my run home. Like I've brought in guys like Mills, Himmelberg, mm. Took, and it's sort of been because of Carnage, but I think in future, like, I don't know. I, what, I've, what I've had to do when some players have been out, like Titch, for example, when he was named out, I went from him down to Mills in order to try and generate some money. But in reality, I should have just gone sideways, like done a double sideways or yeah. or titch sideways and then a rookie downgrade so that I'd have money in the bank for next week as opposed to like titch down and then trying to use like maybe 150K, 200K to sort of like do a mini upgrade on someone else. It's like 
the the difference between like a 900k primo and mills is actually bigger than the upgrade I made with the money between them. So it's just like I've just been chasing my tail for for about a month now, and yeah. really the strategy is just to get the guys that are in form and have nice matchups. If they're a good price, then that's a bonus. But really, like from the buys onwards, if you have a completed team, you just want the best guys in your team. You want to be dropping these big scores. You're not you're not able to score these like. 2600 2700 scores if you have mills in your team you know or himmelberg or both yeah i agree i agree wholeheartedly with what you're saying took is the one that i i probably wouldn't put into that category i know he hasn't been great since you picked him up but i think every man and their dog was sort of thinking took coming back he's going to be close to the top eight and he's still a red hot chance to be for the rest of the year um yeah i know he's been disappointing but he's a perennial like top eight mid he's one of the best players in the comp he was cheap but you know, yeah. I think in that regard, it's fine. And like another one that springs to mind is Flanders, who's cheap that we both picked up this week. But that's a role change. You know, he's turned up three times on the trot now. He's he's got like a six round average of, I think, just under a hundred, like ninety nine. Um, so there's still players that pop up that it makes sense to jump on. But in terms of like Mills is a good example. He didn't really show anything for us to jump on after he'd had a bad season. Himmelberg, we even both predicted to be a low eighties guy. And we still grabbed him. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a time and place. But like you said, once we get sort of into that post-buy period, it's more about just grabbing the best players you can. That's something that I've learned this year because I've always chased value. But yeah, from start to end. Yeah, yeah. But, but you get to a certain point where it just the big dogs need to take over and you, you sort of have to let go of your idea of value and just and just chase points. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, that sort of seems to be after the buyers. Yeah. Well, there's two sides to every story because, yeah, I will admit, like, Flanders, I picked him up last week. Fantastic pick so far. Keys is one that we grabbed that was cheap, that was great for, for a period But that was well. a different point in the season. Yeah, you get a bit, what I bit mean? Like, our around buyers. He actually helped us complete our teams. And so you get these value guys that pop and some that don't, but ultimately, like, it's a race to finish your teams early in the season. So you're trying to get on these guys to, like, get the cash in flowing to try and get rid of your rookies. But once you've gotten rid of them, you sort of just... You don't yeah, you're going, going back to the going well. from primos to these mid-prices. I guess it's what we'd call that parachute trade. And we talked about them being a strategy before. And I just feel like most of them for me haven't actually worked out. So that's just something I've noted. But like I said, Flanders, good. LDU was another one that yep. I'll, I'll put a tick on that. Like that's been fantastic. But Josh Kelly's one now that could be... Josh Kelly, exactly. One. But the difference is, is that LDU is a bona fide primo. Yeah, and was in sure. form and had a solid run. So he ticks all those boxes and it just happens to be that he's cheap. But we got him because we're like, yeah, I think he could be a top eight. You predicted him to be a top eight. Yeah. Um. So I think there's that that side of it where it's like, no, you have to actually be keen on the player, not because the money allows you just to do something else yeah. that, you were, that you were sort of planning to do. I think, you get what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I think the second point to, to this discussion as well is that it just reinforces the fact that it, it's important to keep cash gen rolling on your bench and keep like, f- you know, filtering through rookies and, and doing proper downgrades and stuff on your bench. I know it gets to a point of the season where you want to bring in like big dogs every week and you want to do stuff with your field every week towards the end, but it's still important to have those rookies making money so you can downgrade and make proper upgrades instead of having to continually jump on guys like Mills and Himmelberg. And um, that's another learning lesson for next year, I think, just to keep cash gen rolling throughout the entire year even when it gets late, sometimes you have to prioritize that sort of stuff just to make sure that, you know, you can finish your team properly. All right. It is time for our baby giraffe check-in. Giraffe. 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 
Riley O'Brien, as we like to say, is unrivaled on the pitch and is etching an everlasting legacy as the unequivocal paragon of fantasy greatness. And this week, the most lovable big guy in the game dominated the showdown with 40 hitouts, 94 fantasy points. Smartest guy in the AFL. He is the smartest guy in the AFL. <laughs> what a great article. Yeah. What a great article this to be wholesome. on AFL.com for our boy Rob. <laughs> Um, it's good to see him just getting pumped up in yeah. all facets of his life now. His yeah. his footy prowess, his intelligence, his just overall sexiness, sex appeal. Yeah. Just a stud. Right up there. Yeah. Great guy. Terrific. Yeah. All right. We're going to move on to the next of our talking points. And I wanted to ask you. All right. It's time <laughs> for our forgotten fantasy freak check-in. That's right. Matt Crouch. This week, the beautiful South Australian player scored 105 with 12 clearances, 10 score involvements, and a massive 21 CBAs. And cuz, did you know that Matt Crouch averaged 106.9 over a four-year stretch before the injuries came? He's going to he's going to do it. He's going to get back to his best. Wow. Yeah. 106.9 wow. in a 4-year stretch. That is uber uber primo stuff. You guys can't see me obviously, but I'm just sitting there with Shot. my eyes my, my eyes wide open. That's that's phenomenal. I mean, I know Matt Crouch has been was, uh, you know, a fully fledged primo for a number of years, but that's an impressive stat. Um Yeah, and you went with Crouch for your check-in, did you? I did. Yeah. You I, did say last week that you were going to pick someone Different or someone random. Same team, but still <laughs> still a stud. We just like South Australian players. I don't know Apparently, why. Yeah. They just they just filter through our check-ins yep. week in, week out. But I love Matt. The subs are becoming a family, a family friendly team this week. <laughs> with Matt Crouch Bros. Matt's coming in. Yeah. He is. Wow. I loved what he did. Mate, I, I mean, I guess we're talking about it now, so we, we might as well continue the chat about Matt Crouch. Sure. Do you but, do you reckon well, we, we, had a, we had a listener question. We, let's address it now and then we'll address the rest of the listener questions later. All right. We might as well. We had a listener question from John and he said, will Matt Crouch stay in the team? And I'm going to start and say, yes, I think he does. Um, Adelaide fans have been very critical of Matt Crouch in the last, you know, year, year and two almost years. two seasons. Yeah. He's an interesting player, but he played really well. And from like, I did some looking into like what, how the Adelaide fans are feeling about it. And they're all talking about how he provided a lot for them. They're, they're happy with him in the team. They're, they're happy that to see him playing well. They want Adelaide to offer him a contract for next year, even off the back of that game last weekend. So man, I would say so. Um, I think he probably does, does well for their midfield mix. Yeah, well, one of the big things about – you're seeing a lot of coaches start to come out and say these things now is that, like, you want to focus on what players are good at, not what they're not good at. Like, we know Matt Crouch is not providing a whole heap defensively. He's not a massive meters gain player. But last week against Melbourne, he had seven clearances, 10 score involvements, only 159 meters gain. But you still need those, like, in and under players that are going to get clearances, feed handballs out to your runners like Dawson and Laird, let them get off the chain. Um and he stayed in the team off the back of that game and then backed it up with this week was probably his best game in, you know, three years where he had his his 10 score involvements, uh, you know, 12 clearances, just played an enormous game. So I think he's going to stay in the team, yeah. stay in that midfield mix well and truly for the rest of the year. Um, it, it, I, I think he could be back to his best. I know it's, it's only off a two-game stretch, but he was probably the second best player in the showdown yeah. and he really was, like, dominant. So. Yeah. 
It works well for them as well. I know we are big fans of Ben Keys, Baba Yaga, and like it's great to see him in the midfield from time to time and get a little bit of mid time. But he's he's dynamic, like as a half forward player, just like it can you know, come like up to stoppages, yeah, like pushing up the stoppages and then bursting, forward. yeah, and then like kind of trying to hurt them off the rebound or something like that because he's so quick. He's been kicking goals every week. Um, so, I th- yeah, I think it works for their midfield uh, rotations just to have Matt Crouch in there and Keys forward and Rochelle forward. Uh, I think that just is good a good mix for Adelaide. Yeah, 91% disposal efficiency in both games as well. So, I mean, being an in and under player, getting clearances, feeding it out and being effective with your disposal, that's like... You can't you can't ask for much more than that from a player. So, you know, if Nix isn't impressed by this, he's not going to be impressed by anything. That's um, true. The Tog has been fine, and yeah, he backed up the game that kept him in the team with an even better game. So I, I think now two you know two solid games in a row is just going to keep him in the team for the rest of the year. Yeah, we we are both Matt Crouch fans, so it's I'm I'm happy for him to see him playing well again, mate. Me too. Also plays West Coast in round twenty four, who a team he scored one fifty plus on on two separate occasions. And it's just an absolute basket case at the moment. So, I mean, I've got him in my team right now because I love the man. And if you're if you're looking at him, then I'm I'm ticking it off. Yeah, I I think even if I mean this is sort of a slightly broader discussion, but even if Adelaide don't offer him a contract for next year, I He'll think he's done somewhere en- else. He's done enough for another club to be interested. I'll, Surely, I'd love to have him. Man, at the he's Eagles, an man. AFL, <laughs> absolutely an AFL standard player. He's like, all Australian. He was all Australian. I think four seasons ago. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there you go. He, he's, you just have to use him with his strengths. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, exactly. He, he's, he's not the best at everything, but his strengths, what he's good at is good. And if you can utilize that for your team, he's a good player. Yeah, it's, I guess it's in a way kind of similar to how Collingwood picked up Titch. He's like a, a grunt inside mid, like effective disposal. Exactly like Do, that. Doesn't get a lot of meters gained. Like you're not going to see him streaming down the wing and bombing along inside 50, but that's not what he does. That's not what you need him to do. Just let him play to his strengths and he, he can be such an impactful player f- for, for winning and for, for good teams as well. So, he, you know, he was a, a really instrumental part of Adelaide's grand final push in 2017 as well. So, yeah, love Matt Crouch. Get, yep. him, in, get him in your team, people. <laughs> yep. All right, I have another question for you, Keebs. Yes. Is the rising star up for grabs? I know a lot of people still have Ashcroft as the favourite and suspect that he's going to hold on, but... Do you think she's can steal it from him? Yeah, I think so. Certainly. I mean, Ashcroft, what, 19 games, sorry, 18 games um, is a lot, a lot of games to play in a season, you know, and it's enough to, to win the rising star, but sheasel has been terrific all year round. And I, I think if he sustains the form that he's had for most of the season, then he'll certainly be in the conversation. Um, I know we're sort of biased as fantasy coaches because Sheasel's done more in our world. Um, and, you know, North are, are clearly a, a lot worse than Brisbane are. But, yeah, I think it's up for grabs. Even Owens is someone who could, you know, have a big end to the season and, and potentially get his name in the conversation. But in terms of, like, Harry Sheasel specifically, because I guess he's the one that um, really the fantasy implications. Yeah, that's what, <laughs> that's kind of what I was getting at, where, whether there would be fantasy implications to it. Because um, I pegged Sheas down as my top, like, my sixth defender in my best 22 last week. And I, I kind of did a bit more thinking about it because it's sort of up in the air who gets that sixth spot. But if she's, you know, storms home trying to win this award, that's like, that's a fantastic award to win. A hundred percent is going to want it. Yeah, for sure. They get like 20 K in like an investing portfolio mm. or something like that. Yeah, from and, like, and obviously that's just like, that's on his, 
CV for his career for the you know for the rest of his career that he won the Rising Star. Yeah, twenty twenty three. So it's like, man, he's got such a fantastic opportunity to come home and get it. I I feel like yeah, it it's just the fantasy implications are, are good, and I just think she's she's will come home strong. Yeah, the fact that he's in the running can only be a positive thing for the for the rest of the year. I, I think he'll come home strong too. I'd like to see him get a little bit more midfield time. Um, just just as a fan, and also I think it it might do his chances some good, but. Yeah, I don't think he's going to drop off at all. Yep. All right, I've got another talking point that I want to bring up, and it's my captaincy woes, man. Captaincy fails. I went and did some some stat digging just into my own team. Over the last five rounds, listen to these captain scores. 97, 96, 140, 98, 85. So that's four scores under a hundred in the last five weeks. It's not. It's not great, is it? We yeah. were, and the one week I had the one forty was the week like everyone had the VC on English, English or yeah. Golden. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Because we had our captains chat, like a big captains chat about VC lines and and such, <laughs> a few weeks ago. And it's only gotten worse for me since then. You've gone downhill, mate. I've I've used that chat to my advantage. My last few captaincy scores have been one twenty, one thirty, one forty, uh, one twelve. And one thirty-seven. That's so good. So I, 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 I dream of that. I'm in captaincy form now. I think a big part of the reason that I've had good captaincy scores in the last two weeks as well is that we've started. Well, I've I've sort of taken the reins a bit and done our like captaincy research, which has helped me analyze properly instead of just picking players on a whim. Um, and it it's just been great so far. It's been good. Yeah, we've well, you've been you do the captaincy research and post it, and just quick quick plug for that. Keep a, keep an eye on our socials on um, Twitter and on Instagram because we yeah we're gonna be posting our top five captains with you know VC recommendations included in there every week. Um, and I know you've been sticking to that, and my goal is to stick to that. And um, you know for the rest of this year and for next year. And once I sort out that game over for everyone <laughs> <laughs> it's it's well it's the same here because the first like 15 weeks of the year my captains are averaging 106 or something which is just gross but since then it's been massive it's funny though because we spend all this time researching trades and like players that we're keen to bring in but we, we've never really sat down and, and really put the time into captains we've always kind of just picked picked on a whim so Taking the time to research makes sense and it is helping massively at the moment. So makes I'm a gonna, lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep doing it. Yeah. No, it's like we always we always read all the advice of all the other, you know, fantasy podcasts and obviously listen to the traders religiously and listen to Calvin's captains and generally like I stick with their advice and it's very, very good advice. But it's always good just to like do the research yourself and like come up with your own opinions and just like put it out there and then like you know, just whatever it is that you're going to recommend to other people, I'm really big on like sticking yeah. with that for yourself, yeah. which I guess, yeah, is is a, is a fantasy learning for me for this year. It's a, it's an easier pill to swallow as well if you back in your own research and like the facts that you find and, you, you know, you can really find some concrete evidence that you stick by and it fails. It's like, well, you know, yeah, just it's just bad luck. It's not because I did anything stupid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just avoid stupidity. I didn't whack the sea on Briggs five minutes before he locked he locked out just just because. Yeah, yeah. You never did that, did you? <laughs> not never, mate. <laughs> I won't be. I won't be now though. That's for sure. 
right. I think that would be a good segue into our Cousins Captains for round 21. I know you've already done the research for this week and you've come up with a top seven, is it? I've got seven. So I'll list out our, our, our top five in a row and then I'll just say the other two that I'm, I'm also keen on. Um, obviously not every every listener is going to have all seven players in their team. So I think it was good to just have a couple of extras yep. as well. And the reason, sorry, just quickly, the reason I think it'd be good to discuss this on the podcast, I know it's early in the week to talk captains, but with four rounds to go and fantasy finals, the guys that you think are going to be the biggest this week and are the best captaincy options are naturally also going to be your top trade-in targets. And we're mostly... You know, as I talked about before, we're in the time of the year where we're just trying to get the best guys available to us, the best guys possible. We're happy to pay up for them. And so understanding who we think are going to be the biggest players this week um, as the best captains are obviously going to be our best trade-in target. So I'll hand it over to you. Who are our cousins' top seven captains this week? (laughs) All right. So at number one, we've got Zach Merritt versus West Coast. Now, in recent weeks, LDU with his 120, Taranto 111, Neil 127, McGluggage 118 and Ashcroft 113 are just some of the scores that West Coast have been giving up. Merritt has a 10-round average of 120.2 and he averages 108.5 against West Coast. Also hasn't dropped below 110 against him since 2019. So he's number one, an easy number one this week for the Cousins' top five captains. Number two, we've got the Bont, Marcus Bont and Pelly v. Richmond on Friday night. He's one of our VC options as well. He's coming off his worst score of the year. Obviously, he was tagged by Ward to his 86. But in recent weeks, the Tigers have been giving up massive points to mids. Viney and Petraka both cashed in last week with a 133 and a 118. Goulden a few weeks ago with his 126. Um, I think Bont's just going to bounce back in a big way this week. He'll be hungry for the Brownlow. Richmond don't tag as well, which is is, is a big thing. So he should be able to get off the chain on Friday. They're coming off a loss as well, and I think he's going to be he's going to want to be the guy that you know leads the bounce back, fighting for finals as well. Like all all the dominoes are in place, so Bont should have a big one this week. Number three, I've got Darcy Parish against West Coast as well. Like I said, West Coast are just an absolute basket case. Last time he played them, he scored one twenty two on them. he should, he should just absolutely feast. West Coast are playing away. We know how bad they've been away. Um, Parrish hasn't really shown a big ceiling this year. He's got a few 120s, nothing massive, but I think this will be the week that it changes. Like, again, all the dominoes are falling into place. It's a perfect matchup. Number four, I know you'll be happy about this. We've got Petraka, Christian Petraka v. North. However, it is 122.5 in his last four games against North. And he's averaging 113.1 in his last nine games overall. North have given up massive scores in recent weeks as well. 133 to Steele, 115 to Sheed, a 112 to Sinclair, a 127 to Warpool, 111 wow. to Day, and 126 to Tom Atkins. <laughs> All these opposing midfielders are just absolutely cashing in. Wow. Um, so Petrak is going to have a big one against North this week. North also have lost their last five by an average of almost 40 points. So if he does go forward like he has been in some recent weeks, he should get plenty of opportunities to hit the scoreboard as well. Now, number five and our last well, last number in the top five captains <laughs> uh, is Tim English v. Richmond. Now, he scored 145 on the Tigers earlier in the year, and he's coming off that massive 153 that we touched on earlier against Briggsy. Um, he's just in great form and is just the perfect VC for for a Friday night. He'll be against Nank this week as well, who has has been giving up decent points to to Rucks throughout the year as well. So I think English is going to be big. Now the final two 
uh, on the list. Just just a, a couple of extra options if listeners don't quite have our, our top five in their team or want to do something a little bit different. We've got Dunks v. Frio at number six. He's averaging 123.9 in his last 10 games if you take out his injury-affected score in round 16. That's basically just pig-like form. And it's the reason that we, we all started with Dunks this year. Um, he's got five 120-plus scores in that time, including that massive 172 that he scored on Friday night footy. He's a freak. He, he is. He's an absolute freak. Frio are just sort of a middling team, but I think Dunks could get off the chain like he did this week against Gold Coast. Yeah, you could see could see something massive. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and the last one is Maxi Gorn v. North. Now, he's averaging 136 in his last three games since resuming the, the number one ruck mantle at the Ds with no Grundy. Um, in recent weeks, North have given up a 104 to Bailey Williams, a 123 to Rowan Marshall, and a 97 to Reese Stanley. So if they're giving up numbers to, to Williams and Stanley, Gorn should just absolutely monster them. I think he's going to have a day out. He's in like scary, scary form. And has you know, a soft matchup. <laughs> yeah. I told, I sent you a stat this morning. I, it's not necessarily a fantasy stat. I'm going to call it a fantasy adjacent stat. But Gorn is averaging 170 in his last three in super coach. It's enormous. A three round <laughs> average of 170. That's like... It's ridiculous. I, I, I'm lost for words. Like, it's just crazy. I, ca- I can't even fathom those kinds of numbers for fantasy. I know, obviously, it's a different game, but... It's still, yeah, that's just it's still sort super of, impressive. That's the sort of actual form that the man is in. Um, and he's going to cash in big time. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So there you go. That's our that's our inaugural podcast version of the cousins captains. <laughs> yeah, and those are basically our top targets for this week. If you if you're hunting for a mid primo like Zeret, Parish, Bond, those are your guys. Like Zeret and Parish especially have easy matchups for two weeks in a row. They have West Coast and then they have North next, next week. week. So they have a they have a great run. They also have Collingwood in the grand final, I think. Which Parish historically just loves. Parish loves playing Collingwood. They're also an easy team for inside mids. So. Those guys have three easy, very light green teams in their next four. Now, Bont is obviously just Bont. He's in, in incredible form. He's going to want the brown low, so he's a great target. Also has a matchup against West Coast coming up as well. Yeah, so the, the stars are aligning for those guys. Um, now, any other cheap options that you might flag as trade-in options, if we're not just talking captains, but, you know, there's, there's a couple that I have in my mind that I, I want to talk about. One is Matt Crouch, which we talked yeah. about extensively. I don't think we need to touch on him again. But if you're hunting for a cheap mid, Matt Crouch is a, is a great buy. I think yeah. Josh Kelly is worth talking about as well. Absolutely. I think I'm, I'm big on Josh Kelly. I think he could, yeah, he could be around the mark of a top eight mid coming home. We, we keep talking about it. We talk about him every week. We're big Josh Kelly fans. But he had 14 tackles over the weekend, which is a very impressive stat. And he also had 90% time on ground, which is just huge for someone who's playing inside mid. Um, I don't think he's going to be concerned about um, Tom Green coming back. Um, GWS are just in crazy form at the moment. I think Josh Kelly's going to have a very nice run. Absolutely. I sent you an interesting stat last night about Josh Kelly as well. And he averages 108.5 against every team except Hawthorne this year. So wow. if you if you take out the two Hawthorne games, it's 108.5 average for Josh Kelly, which is like uber primo numbers. He's yeah. 800K. I, I think he's a great option too. The other player that I am still keen on and still would be happy to recommend to, to other people is Sam Flanders as a forward. Yep. Um, they had a relatively hard matchup this week and he, he turned up again for the third week in a row. He had 30 plus again for the third week in a row. The CBAs were down a bit, but he was still getting up to stoppages. So um, I, I think I still think he's in the top six forward mix for the rest of the year. 
All right, that's a good time to segue to our stupid, sexy Flanders check-in. And you already stole my stats this week. The sexiest piece of ass <laughs> in the AFL scored a third straight ton and a third straight game of 30-plus disposals. And yeah, like you just mentioned, it, he's putting his hand up to be that sixth forward in our best 22 for the run home. He looks just incredible as a midfielder. Um, I apologize for stealing your stats. Uh, that's okay. That's all good. He only had eight CBAs this week, which yeah. I was slightly concerned about, but I watched him very closely and... Yeah, he was pushing off half forward. He was getting up the ground, all the secondary stoppages. Kind of like the stats still back up the the midfield role that he had. It just wasn't necessarily starting in the midfield in the center bounce. Yeah, similar to the role that Keyes was playing a few weeks ago where he was starting off half forward and just like streaming into the midfield. Um, Keyes has sort of gone away from that role a little bit more. Um, But yeah, I think Flanders is still going to be well and truly in the mid-mix. Even if the CBA is on up, he'll still get to... Stoppers, stoppages and such. And his advanced stats were nice too. Like he still had five clearances and seven score involvements, which is what you want to see as a coach in a in a big win too. So, yep. All right. Let's um move on to some of our listener questions for this week. We've sort of touched on some of them, but we're going yeah, to we, address them directly and as, you know, as uh, succinctly as possible. So the first question we had was from Leo and he just said, Josh Kelly, question mark. Yeah, well, and we touched we, on it. We just touched on it. Both big fans of Josh Kelly this big week. Big tick on that one. Yes, Josh Kelly is a yes for me. Absolutely, he's he's one of the the better options this week in terms of value um, and scoring output. So, yeah, yep, absolutely. Now, a good mate and friend of the podcast, Andy, has asked us: Oliver is looking unlikely until finals. Is Viney a play? This is an interesting one. I actually flagged Viney as a play m- many months ago and was, sh- <laughs> shut- sure? and was shut down by you live on the pod. Um, so stuff you, mate, because I was right and you were wrong. But, <laughs> but no, I'm, I like it. I'm a big fan. He's expensive, but he's got the numbers to back it up, man. Um, yeah, he's in terrific form. What are, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm a big Viney fan now. <laughs> well, I've always been a Viney fan. We owned him in 2020. Do you remember that? I do, When mate. he was a cheap option and he was like dropped like removed. A, he was removed from the leadership group. Yeah. And he was cheap because he'd, ha- he was, he'd have been in poor form in 2019. And we were like, we just were sold on the narrative of him just being like angry about being dropped from the leadership <laughs> group. And we're like, nah, he's, he's going to be, he's going to be good. And he dropped like a 135 it, from it, memory. It was like a BCV 160. Yeah. That's one. what it I mean. Was, yeah. It was in the 2020 ridiculous. season. Yeah. So, it was the equivalent of a 160 and then COVID happened and like the rest of the season was put on pause for like months. And then, oh no, sorry, round two, they, they gave players the their average or something. It, it was Yeah, so he played, oh, round one, work? he played round one, dropped that massive score, played round two, got an average score and then round three, they got their average. And his, av- right. his average was like a 130 BCB <laughs> at that <laughs> so time. So they just gave, they gifted him a 130. Yeah. And he, it was just... He was terrific. It was fun. He's like... Oh, sorry, sorry, you go. Uh, yeah, I'm just saying I'm a fan of Viney. He's so tough. He's so hard. He's got the midfield role. Um, again, Melbourne are, you know, pushing as high as they can on the ladder and they're not going to they're not gonna stop yeah. going hard. No, Viney's definitely not going to stop. No, Clary definitely seems to be helping him. He's always had primo chops, but he's never quite put it together for an entire season. Like he goes on these runs, but he currently has a seven round average of 115. So that's like uber, uber primo territory. That's like, you know, would have him third or fourth over the course of the entire season as an average. So 
Yeah, I mean, he's in he's in form. I don't know how far away Clary is exactly because his injury is a bit of an unknown, but he's still, you know, still a couple of weeks away. And if you're keen for a unique, fine, he's a, a terrific option. The numbers don't lie, but it, like Andy, what I would say though is it depends who you've already got. Like if you don't have Bont or Merritt or Parrish, I would probably still get those guys over yeah, Viney. But I'm saying, sure. I'm saying I like Viney as a play. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of Viney's form... Um, is sort of a lot of his big games, ceiling games are kind of random as well. He's not as such a player that, that is really impacted by fixture. So um, yeah, I think he's a guy that you could be happy rolling with and, and just have a bit as a bit of a fun sort of ceiling yeah. play. I would enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next question. We're going back to John. Now we answered his question about Matt Crouch earlier and we're saying, yes, tick. We like Matt Crouch and we think he's going to stay in the team. Yep. Now John had a second question and he says, does Jones, that's Zach Jones, injury help Brad Crouch's scoring? Now, because you talked about Brad Crouch being in average form before this week, and it sort of coincides with the three games that Zach Jones played, and then Zach Jones obviously got injured early on in this game this week, and Brad Crouch went on to kick three goals, have a monster Massive score. Game. And so John is just wondering or speculating whether we think Zach Jones impacts Brad Crouch. Um, It's... It's a bit of an interesting one. I wouldn't say that he negatively impacts him too much, but the fact that he's not in the team can only be a good thing. Um, that's that's sort of where I just stand with it. Like, you know, not having another guy running through the mids just means that Crouch is probably going to get, you know, a slight bump in CBAs, a slight bump in um, actual, you know, actual midfield time, maybe Tog as well. So, yeah, Zach Jones not being there is a good thing, but I don't think he was affecting him too much. I think it was just sort of a random occurrence that... Yeah. That they, they lined up. Yeah. I, I threw that question to you, but I actually did some thinking about it last night and did some stat digging. So I probably should have actually gone first. And I would say, yeah, I, I totally agree with exactly what you just said. I, I wouldn't say that there's any direct correlation. Um, I think it was just sort of coincidental that the scores were a bit lower with Crouch in the team. Um, I had a look. Crouch's CBAs are always top two for the yeah. Saints, yeah. even with Jones in the team. Jones wasn't getting too many really. Um, and this week, like Crouch was good because he kicked three goals in a massive bloodbath. Um, I think even if Jones didn't get injured, he would have he would have had a big score. Agree. Um, like Agree. he just got on the end of a couple. Um, his one thirty seven in round sixteen was the week before Jones came back, but that was because Crouch had seventeen tackles. So that's like against West you know Coast I mean? as like, well. I don't think Zach Jones being in the team is going to stop Crouch from tackling. You know what I mean? So I personally think the low scores with Jones were just yeah a coincidence. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's not in the team now, so yeah, I agree. It's it, it could only be a good thing, but yeah. I don't I don't really think he was affecting. Great. All right, I've got one more. That sorry, that wraps up our listener questions for this week. But I've got one more thing that I want to talk about. We've sort of touched on it, and it's tag concerns. Um, we saw Bont get tagged heavily this week. We saw Neil get tagged very heavily, and we just want to talk about maybe some some tags that we think might be incoming this week. Um, I had a look through the fixture and I think Dacos is probably a, a good chance to get tagged. By Finn McGuinness, yeah. He, yeah. Co- he copped it in the preseason. It was actually the reason that neither of us started with Nick Dacos. Yeah. Um, finally might come to a fruition in round 21 of the season. So. It would be funny if he didn't though. It kind of... It would of, be, it yeah, would be would really be. funny. But yeah, I, I it's think Nick Dacos it. and it's Finn McGuinness. It's it, the matchup makes sense to me and we saw it work in the preseason. So We did. He, he also... Finn ran with um, Sinclair... For the only for the first quarter this week, 
then that you know they released the tag Sinclair got off the chain but you know he's been tagging halfbacks he tagged Dan Rioli a couple of weeks ago um yep. they tagged someone else the week before as well it's not springing to mind at the moment but yeah I think he'll run with Dacos um you know it, when Dacos plays inside Finn might run through there with him if Dacos shifts a halfback Finn will definitely stay with him I just think he's gonna he's gonna follow him around yep. why wouldn't you if, yeah. if you're playing Collingwood exactly Lockie Neal he plays the Dockers this week Aisha's done like a few jobs this year but the, the reason I'm um, thinking it might happen again is just to see how badly Brisbane capitulated last week when Took was hanging off Neil. Like when, when Neil gets tagged, Brisbane just crumble a little bit. Yeah, so I, I agree. I wouldn't be surprised if um, JL, you know, has a, you know, throws some darts and like tries to, tries that as a strategical move. Yeah, I definitely think we're going to see Aish run with Neil this week. I'm I'm pretty confident after what happened last week. It's, why wouldn't you? Yeah. The other one I have written down here as a potential tag this week is Butters against Geelong. Geelong has like sometimes been running taggers, so that's a slight flag. Uh, they tagged Merritt a couple of weeks ago. They, they sort yeah. of put like a double tag on him with O'Connor and Atkins. I think Butters is the type of player that they might send send someone to as well. Atkins kind of makes sense to me as a as a matchup on Butters. Yeah, for sure. The other thing is, I guess if they might kind of wait to see who's getting off the chain between Rosie and Butters. And then make that call because Geelong, like we said earlier, is still fighting for finals position. So, it, you know, if Chris Scott mid-game thinks it's something that's going to help his team win, then yeah, He'll d- pull don't the be surprised. Yeah. Yep. All right. And the last one I have flagged is, is Took going to tag again? We saw it be really effective last week. Um, and then he runs hard, bouncing off on the rebound. Um, but they play Adelaide. So you have two candidates there in Laird and Dawson. It's a slight flag maybe for captains or, you know. But do you, do you think it happens? I think my my gut feel is no. I don't think he will run with anyone from Adelaide this week. Historically, Gold Coast have always sort of been keen to tag Neil, like in their in their most recent clashes. Neil's Neil's copped attention. Zorko previously also copped attention from Took. I just think whenever the Q clash comes around, really Took Took is is played as a tagger. But I can't see it happening against Adelaide this week. I don't think Laird is as impactful with the ball as Neil is. The sort of less reason to shut him down. Dawson's a bit a bit big maybe for Took, so I think they'll just let him run run free on his own. But it, I wouldn't be surprised if you know yeah. he, he did get the job just playing like sort of on stoppages and then spreading off because if you can defend and you know clamp someone so well and get off the chain the other way, which we saw Took do this week, that can just be such a valuable role to the team. So. Again, gut feel says no, but I wouldn't be surprised if it did happen. Cool. All right. Well, I guess that wraps up a huge segment of discussion. That was our Knights of the Round table, and we're going to move on to the Cousins Crystal Ball. That's right. It's time for Keeb's favorite part of the podcast. It is the goofy stuff. Now, cuz the cousins crystal ball last week, you said Bont would score under ninety seven, and he did. He scored his lowest score for the season. What have you got to say? Oh, the side has returned, cuz I You've feel got one. so good. I'm up two one now in our predictions. Oh, sort of. I've got I've got a few season long ones that are, that are on track to they're hit. They're pending. There's three that are there's three that are currently looking like they're going to hit. So. I still reckon I'm going to pip you at the end, but I guess <laughs> as of right now, you've got me. Where it stands right now, cuz, you just have to keep this in mind. I'm up 2-1 in predictions. I've got you by one point in overall rank. I'm going to get you in both. And 
I'm the only one of us that are still in contention to win our league I'm with get, our mates. I'm getting you with the predictions, though, mate. They're, mine are going to hit. I've got <laughs> actually there's four. There's four of mine that look like they could hit. We'll see, mate. We will see. We will see. Definitely not the Ollie Wines one. We will see. Well, last week I failed miserably with my prediction that Himmelberg would score over 120. <laughs> he scored 62, a measly 62. Gross stuff from Himmelberg. I'm, I'm pretty annoyed about it, to be honest, but we'll swiftly move on and you can tell us what your prediction for this week is. All right. So I feel like I had some success by predicting a player going under a certain score. So I'm going to go again and I'm going to say Parrish to be outside the top five scorers in the Essendon versus West Coast game. Oh, I don't know how I feel about that. To be honest, it's a bit of a it's a bit of an interesting it's one. Different. We we haven't had a prediction like that before. Outside the top five fantasy scorers, think about it. West Coast have like no good fantasy players, other than Tim Kelly. Yeah, it's just it's just an interesting. So it's pretty one. bold. Outside the top, that's only eleven percent though. I'll give you top six. I'll give you the top six fantasy scorers outside the top six. I feel like five is very bold. 11%. It's actually less if you if you include the subs as well. So, Yeah, but... So. <laughs> I need six. I don't, I don't want to give it to you, though. I need top six. I feel like he's finishing six. Give me a number of what he'll score under as well, then. Adjacent, adjacent to being outside the top five. The thing is, you quoting the percentage of players that have to outscore him is just, I feel like it's irrelevant. Because, 11% is not much. Yeah, but though. most of them average like 30 or 40 points less. So it would be very bold. Five though? That's not really that bold. Like if you look, I reckon if you look back through the Outside games. Outside the top five. Yeah, but if you look back through the games this weekend. that have Yeah, but it's going to be a bloodbath against West Coast. It is going to be a bloodbath against West Coast. But I reckon if you look back through the players that have been outside the top five against West Coast in recent weeks, there would be so many stars. Like it's easy for every player to score against West Let's Coast. Let's put a pause on it and check. That's kind of the point. All right, we're going to actually take a tease. It's our first tea for a while. We'll be back. Okay, we're back from our timeout. We've compiled our evidence. I'll let you go first. All right. Since round 15, okay, yep. players against West Coast that average over 100. <laughs> I'm trying to think how I say this. For those players that average over 100 against West Coast, since round 15, only one has finished outside the top five. Top top five scorers for the game. That's interesting. And that was Jack Steele in round sixteen. I don't know if I. And believe that was you. when. <laughs> go check for yourself, mate. All right. Go check for yourself. Players that average over a hundred against West Coast have all finished within the top five scorers of the game. Well, let me hit you with a stat now. In the last six games, Darcy Parish has only finished in the top five scorers twice. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's a thirty-three percent chance. That he'll do it, and you're saying that it's bold. That, that he's yeah, but one of those was a 66 percent chance of something happening. Is bold, is it, mate? So at That's least one of those, no, cuz at <laughs> least one of those was an anomaly where Essendon went just absolutely bonkers against um, the Bulldogs, where they all had heaps of marks. You can't. Yes, so we put an asterisk on that. No, one. you don't put an asterisk next to it. It's still a full game that was played. You're not going to let me have this one, are you? You've got it. It's got to be a bit more bold. You can you can 
continue on the theme. Like you can keep Parrish. You just have to bolden it a little bit more for me. That's all I'm saying. I said top six. Top, top six. All right. I'll give you top right. six. But what, You've negotiated your one extra. But what score is he going to go under? I need... Oh, see, I don't know. It doesn't have to be small. You can say under 110 or whatever you think. But I feel I'm like... I'm saying he goes under 115. You see, no, so oh, even okay, if he scores... Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. Like, that doesn't give me much margin for... Much wiggle yeah, room, really. Because if he does a 111 and he's not inside the top six scorers, then something crazy has happened. There's a good chance it will. No. But what you're saying, like one player to to not be in the best few for a game is not very... It's not, yeah, but it's if not you bold listen enough to, for me. If you listen to my stats, the players that average over 100 against West Coast have all been cashing in, except for Jack Steele, who I might add was like sort of injured at the time. But Parrish's form isn't terrific. That was that was sort of where my stat... It's not bad happened. though. It's not bad. But it's it's not dipped ter- under 90. It's not, it's not terrific. But, but that's because they've been playing hard teams. Not not exclusively. Yeah, but they're about to go against the soft teams and you're saying... Other players Parrish, can cash in though. No, but Other okay. players are just as likely to play well as Parrish is against an easy team. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The midfielders, the midfielders always cash in High averaging midfielders always cashing against West Coast. Yeah, That's why you've got him third on your captains. Do you back your captaincy yeah, research? Yeah, absolutely, I back my captaincy so research. Then you, I think he's going to have so a good game. So then you think I must but, be bold? But your point is saying he's not going to he's not going to be in the top five scorers. It's just not that in itself is not a bold point because five is like such a small number from well, game we, to game. We, <laughs> we, we negotiated there's, six. Is that bold enough for you? It's still not really, but I'll give it to you just right. because I don't want to argue for. <laughs> any longer <laughs> don't to waste li- people's time to our listeners but right. there's 46 players that play in any AFL game and someone not to be in the top six is generally likely in yeah. most weeks but when you're saying 46 <laughs> players like half of them like one of them is going to be like Rhett Bazo oh, and the other one is going to be Yo that's the sub and one is going to be you know just spuds everywhere I'm going to give it to you but it, do- it doesn't count for many points if you do get it it's not. It's not really <laughs> bold. So mean. We'll call it, well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There, but there has to be a line drawn, and I've drawn it. It's top six. I'll give you top six. That's that's as far as we'll go with it. I still don't love it to be honest, but that's that's what you get. All right, I'll take it. All right, I'll give you my bold prediction for the week, and it is that Matt Crouch averages a hundred plus for the rest of the season. Okay. <laughs> are yeah. You, are you happy with that? <sighs> I, look, oh, I my, see. My I reasoning... kind of agree with you, but it is. I it's bold enough. Yeah. All right. Cool. I, I, I'm happy that we settled on that. My reasoning behind it being bold is obviously the fact that last year he averaged like 88. The year before he didn't even play. This year he's only played three games. Like I feel like it's it's a pretty bold call. And he's played two good games back to back for an average of like 92. So I think he's going to improve and continue his his right. form. And so 100 plus average for the final four rounds. Yeah, for Matt Crouch. Okay. All right. Cool. Done. We settled. That was quick. That was a quick one. All right. Cool. All right. That wraps up the Cousins Crystal Ball. Let's get into some fantasy proverbs. Fantasy proverbs. All right. It is time for some wisdom. And Cousin, this week for my fantasy proverb, it's going to take some deciphering. I'm going to tell it to you and I want you to work out because it's relevant to something specific and I want you to work it out. Okay. So I'll tell you the proverb first. I'm ready. A sword by itself rules nothing. It only comes alive in skilled hands. Now, do you know whose skilled hands I'm talking about? Mine. <laughs> no. Nope. Ours. Yours. No, 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 no. Someone's. So, 
To give you a clue, the quote is from Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Are we talking about Matt Crouch? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You got it. Matt Crouch, the skillful hands, beautiful feet out handballs. It's it's a sign, mate. It's a sign. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. It just popped into my brain this week and I was like, Matt Crouch, of course. He's coming in. He's the answer to our Mills, Callum Mills woes, our... Uh, Himmelberg woes. Does this mean you're going to do it as well? Are you going to ride the Matt Crouch train? Oh, you might have you, to find out. You can't. You can't have. You it might as your have to find out. But I'm just through. saying. I'm just saying. It's a sign for anyone out there that's got that tingle, that little cousin's tingle. Yeah, it's I've Matt got Crouch. A, I've it's got the, the Matt cousins. Crouch tingle. I've got the cousin's tingle. I've got the you're Crouch gonna... bros in my team. It's a family. Oh. It's a family affair at the Super Subs. It's it's wow. just it's exciting times. The brothers they've reunited. They've reunited in my team. I reckon I'm the first the first person to do it. To be honest, <laughs> the Crouch Bros. I'm, I'm saying I'm calling it. No one else has done it. No one else has done it yet. But I'm the first one. I'm reuniting the Crouch Brothers. I'm letting them take my team to glory for the rest of the year. <laughs> and I'm just going to enjoy it because I love Matt. He's a beautiful man. Cool. All right. I'll get into my fantasy proverb for the week, and it's from some dude in a gym somewhere, probably. And it's this, no pain, no gain. (laughs) Let me explain it to you because you go through so much fantasy pain throughout the year. The highs and the lows of the season, the players you love, the players you hate, the players that keep you up at night and invade your dreams. Then you wake up in the morning with just Will Langford randomly in your head (laughs) from years ago, someone that retired and you're like, why? Why do I think about him? Well, there's a reason why, mate. We love the game. You trade random players into your team. They suck. It's rough. All these things happen throughout the year. But through it all, we play for the love of the game. We play for cars and hats. Some of us play for money. But most importantly, we play for bragging rights amongst our mates. That's what fantasy is all about. Maybe finals is lost for some of our listeners, like it is for Keebs. But overall rank is still alive. League rankings are still alive amongst your mates. Dig deep. Back yourself in. And as we roll into the final stage of the season... To chase our dreams, remember all the hurt throughout the year, all the pain and suffering, the minus threes, the injuries, subvests and taggers, and let it motivate you as you strive for glory. Woo! Let's go. What a speech. Fantasy proverbs. The king's speech. Fantasy finals. It's time. It's time. This is what it all comes down to, cousin. Yeah, finals footy. The real finals footy. Let's go. <laughs> Fantasy finals footy. Oh, beautiful stuff. And um, that might be a good, you know, segue into wrapping this up. But just quickly, before we do wrap up, in the last hour or so, Lance Franklin has just announced his retirement. So we've dug a, a couple of Buddy Franklin stats just to leave you with because obviously he's, you know, had a great, fantastic um, you know, Hall of Fame type career, but also is a Hall of Fame type fantasy player. So we thought we'd touch on some Buddy Franklin stats. Why don't you hit us with him, Keebs? One of the best to ever do it. Now, Buddy's career high of 204 is actually the highest official score ever. In that game, he had 23 disposals, 11 marks, 13 goals, four behind, six tackles. Just terrific stuff, Buddy. Like I said, the highest official score ever. He has the best ever season average of 101.7. He has eight seasons over 90. And don't forget, he did it all as a forward, which is one of the more challenging positions in fantasy to score in. So props to Buddy for a Hall of Fame career. Just one of the greatest ever. Yeah. We tip our hats to you at the Cousins. Now we do wrap it up for good this time. Well, not for good, but for real. 
Yeah. Real this time. <laughs> not for good. That's it. Hopefully. Yeah, not for good. We're coming back See you guys next week. Final episode ever. We we will be back next week. Don't you worry, Liz. Oh, that was a slip of the tongue. That wasn't meant to happen. But yeah, seriously, uh, good luck for fantasy finals. It's crunch time. The season really begins now. And good luck to those who are chasing a hat. Good luck to those car. who are chasing a car. Um or some money. <clears throat> yeah, or money or whatever yeah. it is, grand final tickets. A league win. Even if you can't win your league, just try and finish the season on a, on a positive note. Yeah. Respect. Yep. Um, so good luck to everyone in round 21. May all your dreams come true. Follow us on Twitter at... The Cousins Pod. And on Instagram at... The Cousins Fantasy. Good, good, good. Follow us for all our content there. Stay tuned for our top captain advice our top trading advice and we'll see you next week thanks for tuning in kiss your cousin kiss your cousin kiss him on the lips kiss your cousin Kiss your cousin